Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Golden Black Radio as we take a look at this week in Purdue Athletics. Here's your host, Kyle Charter. After what feels like a successful offseason revamp for this year, Purdue opens its season Tuesday night versus Milwaukee and Mackey Arena. We preview the hoop season on Gold and Black Radio, plus the steps football can take to get rolling again at Illinois. I'm Kyle Charters, Brian Dubert here, Tom Dinghart. In a couple of minutes, uh, Purdue against Milwaukee on Tuesday. Brian, you can insert your Wayne's World joke here if you'd like. Uh, what would you like to see out of the Boilermakers uh, in the opener? Uh, I mean, I, I could give you like 20 different answers because everything's so new. Uh, you know, I, I thought Purdue in the exhibition game looked more refined, more, uh, I guess, cohesive than I figured they would considering that, you know, these guys haven't played yeah. together. And I heard your intro say they had a successful off season. I'm not sure what qualified as successful when half the team was standing there watching, but, um, <laughs> Not to pick on you, but uh, well, actually, yes, to pick on you. Um, but no, I, I just think you know you have so many so many new guys playing together, and you have so many guys playing with the sort of influential basketball presences, i.e., Zach Eady, that they've never played with before. Not Zach Eady, but a player like him, um, which yeah. is to say, just a, a really highly influential post player. You have a lot of guys moving into bigger roles. Uh, it's just you just want to see them look functional I think to start the season I think December and November are going to be I'm sorry November and December uh, I, I got a little out of order there um, I think there's going to be a process involved there I think it's one of those situations where you don't necessarily expect to start out at your highest point and that's that's fine that's part of the process um, but Purdue needs to needs to get better as experience accrues and things like that but I just think you want to start off the season with what appears to be a higher floor than your experience level might suggest you have. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll break down more of the Boilermakers. Talk about those two uh, freshmen in the backcourt. We'll do that and much more on gold and black radio. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist with decades of experience in Indiana agriculture. No one knows the market better whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-315 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. Looking to start a new holiday tradition? Thanksgiving officially marks the start of Sand Valley's pursuits season spend quality time indulging in a chef-driven menu complete with craft cocktails and homemade pie reserve your experience today call 866-976-1069 or visit sandvalleypursuits.com a successful offseason brian yeah they're all they're good to go now they're healthy now that means whatever happened before is a success right no yes well, Will Burke just broke his hand, and Brian Waddell and Camden Heidi both missed time in preseason practice. So, I guess we're not we're not counting that. But um, I don't think any of those guys are your your 
you know, the guys you're going to win and lose with necessarily this season. So I'm just picking on you here. Don't just just ignore me. Yeah, no, I I, I do generally. Um, all right, so Purdue will will have the two freshmen in the backcourt, a couple of guys who who will matter a lot for the Boilermakers, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at this season and team, like you said earlier, a team that might grow as the season goes on. I mean, that's sort of the goal of any team. I'm not sure that we saw it uh, last year uh, when Purdue seemed to peak a little bit too soon. Uh, but these two guys, you, know, you mentioned earlier, Purdue playing with a, a cohesiveness maybe that you did not anticipate. I think a lot of that has to do with the two freshmen in the backcourt who played with a pretty mature game. Yeah, I think they're kind of naturals, and I think that's something that, you know, fans are going to kind of enjoy. The staff, I think, is going to is going to appreciate things like that, but that doesn't mean it's all going to be easy all year long. Yeah. I think um, to kind of get off on a sidetrack here, I think that, you know, comparing this year's team to last year's team is going to be a trap we fall into all year long. Um, right. When they're, they're two entirely different teams, they're wired completely different. Their talent levels are two very different things. Uh, their path to success are going to be two very different things. But that being said, the path to success Purdue needed last year was not a unique one. It, it's one that applies uh-huh. to, you know, damn near every team out there, especially every, every Purdue team. I mean, this team's going to have to have to take care of the basketball. It's going to have to be attentive defensively um, because it's not going to have that same ability to just out talent people on a lot of nights. And Purdue couldn't do that every game last year either. They, they sort of, uh, they sort of undermine themselves by focusing more on the big things than the little things. And the little things would have made all the difference in the world last year. I think this can be a really good little things team, whether that can happen, you know, right from the outset, we'll kind of have to wait and see, but I think that this will be a team that'll be conscientious about taking care of the ball. Uh, it will listen. It'll pay attention. It'll, it, it will want to defend, you know, things like that. Whereas I, I don't think anything last year was like, mean-spirited i don't think anybody was sitting here right. saying hey we i, I just <laughs> absolutely refuse to play defense i think it was more a matter of you know things came so easily to them you had people still maturing whether they were sophomores whether they were seniors whatever it might be they were they were still maturing into that sort of player but i think yeah. this team will you know probably be a little bit more mindful of some of that stuff right away and uh and probably be a little bit better at some of the some of the some of the uh things that are often easily overlooked uh in a team success uh but absolutely necessary. Yeah. Purdue has another deep team it seems this year. I know you have said before uh that only matters when those guys are are contributing or whatever. Um and then that is true. Um but it does seem to have a bunch of guys that can roll out there in, in sort of a first and second unit, at least as it's constituted right now. And that second unit does some things differently than the first. I mean, Purdue can give some different looks, right? Yeah. Uh, get, get your Newbertism straight. It's unproven depth is just numbers. <laughs> um, okay. I should write all this down. Yeah. Please do. I, I will document all of these, and I will pass these down to future generations of, of low-end sports writers. Um, no, but uh, no, yeah, that that second unit is is. Um, I think the combination of Trey Kaufman, Ren, and Caleb first give you a chance to do things very differently than your first unit with 
with Zach Eady and Mason Gillis will. I think it, it's I, I, it can't even even suggest that it might be better at this point yet, but I think there are ways you can – it is going to be more dynamic. It's going to be more of a moving target, so to speak. Um, yeah. It's going to run contrary to the game plan that a lot of these, these teams are going to come into the game against Purdue with, and I think it can stretch people out. I think it can make people move around, and I think it's – it's going to be really interesting to see how Purdue's able to leverage that. That that's up to the coaching staff too. It's not just up to first and Kaufman Rent playing well. It's up to the coaches to, you know, kind of put things together that make those guys that put them in in positions to be successful. I think you can guard differently. You know, I think you have some. I think you have a little bit of a different mentality uh, when you get on those with those some of those wings too, where you know David Jenkins and Brandon Newman are shot makers uh, more than they are playmakers, and I think. You know, that first unit has Braden Smith and, and Ethan Morton, and they're ball movers, uh, yeah. I think, first and foremost. Um, I think the distinction between what comes off the bench for Purdue and what starts the game can be uh, can be very different. And I think it can give you uh, – it can give you something that can kind of change the – kind of change the terms of play a little bit on the fly as you need to, which I, I think is more important in basketball than people than people think. Something that can really shake up a game, um, I think is, I think can be really important. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and fall into the trap of of comparing this year's team to last year's team. Um, I'll try to stop doing that eventually. But last year's team, um, you know, when it was really good, it was moving the ball. It, it, it had a tendency, particularly it felt like late in the season, not move the ball as well. Uh, but maybe had better guys who could just go and, and get their own and score. And that's good because teams need that. But this team does seem to have, and, and we have not seen them play a, you know, a real game yet, but does seem to have, as you have said, some guys who, who are distributors, who are looking to pass. And that um, Purdue's going to really have to do that, right? I mean, it doesn't have as many guys who can just break guys down. Um, Purdue's ability to score is going to be through Zach Eady and, and moving the ball and finding open shooters. Well, their ability to break down the defense is going to be dependent on their ball movement, on moving in and out of the post and, and, and generating yeah. angles and, and forcing closeouts and driving past and things like that. This isn't going to be a big straight-line drive team. But I think, you know, part of part of what can, I guess, give you some reason for trepidation here is that, you know, if this is going to be a 10, 11, 12-pass possession team, and that's probably a, that's probably a robust number that I'm throwing out there, at what point along the way does your lack of experience show up? I mean, that's a lot of opportunities to make mistakes, too. It's kind of like when you're a bad offensive football, if you can't make big plays. I'm sorry, if you have a young quarterback in football, not bad offense. If if you have a young quarterback or whatever and you can't make big plays and you're having to piece together 15, 16, 17-yard drives, that's yeah. just more opportunity for your young quarterback to make a mistake. And that's a little bit of – of what um, what will be interesting to see about Purdue is is does there is their willingness to share the ball and their and their desire to move the ball a lot is it undercut at any point by their lack of experience? Uh, yeah. So I think that's, that's something that could play into the hands of, of the of the of the turnover monster at times. But we'll have to kind of wait and see. As I said, these young guys are advanced for being young guys, but they are still young guys. Yeah. Enjoy the opener uh, on Tuesday, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit of football. Purdue uh, trying to get it rolling again at Illinois on Saturday. We'll break all of that down uh, with Tom Deanhart. That's coming up next on Gold and Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, Industrial and Classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Welcome to Golden Black Radio as we take a look at this week in Purdue Athletics. Tyler here with Tom Deanhart to talk a little bit of football. The Boilermakers back in action again on Saturday over in Champaign. This game has a little bit of a different feel. Both teams coming off of uh, losses, of course, to the Boilermakers to Iowa over the weekend. One that stung, uh, certainly, Purdue will look for some answers um, this week. Um, uh, among those, uh, you know, trying to trying to get it going just in general uh, again after a couple of uh, difficult losses surrounding the bye week. I guess if you look at a, a silver lining point of view, uh, not all is lost with the loss. Uh, Purdue still has a lot in front of it. It just has to uh, solve some problems, and uh, it'll have this week to do that. Yeah, their their uh, destiny is out of their hands, if you will, following that loss Saturday to Iowa. So there is still hope. There is still a path. It can be a little complicated, but first things first, right? You got to win at Illinois, and uh, of course, Yolanda coming off a very surprising and eyebrow-raising loss at home last week to Michigan State. So who knows what their mood's going to be, but. You're right, Kyle, but I mean, Purdue's got its own set of problems and still trying to sort through, right? I mean, I think at this point you probably are what you are as a team with your personnel. And my eyes yeah. are looking right at the secondary, the inability still to really be effective against the pass. You know, the breakdowns continue. Um, and, uh, again, uh, it's, it's, it's probably at this point an issue that you, you really think will be hard to really get remedied at this point. So, how that continues to evolve, who knows? And then offensively, right, Kyle, they got to get 
Aiden O'Connell back on track. That's five interceptions the last two weeks. Maybe he's hurt. You know, he took some big shots against the Hawkeyes. So, again, without a doubt, if he's not playing well, Purdue has no shot. Yeah, I mean that is that is true. They need uh, they need O'Connell to uh, to get going. The one thing I will say, and I you know I tweeted it on Sunday night, and I I do think it's true, is that in situations like this, it seems like Jeff Brom's teams have have had a tendency to respond. Now, not always, uh, but they have had a tendency to respond at times when we didn't necessarily think so. I mean, you look back at just last season, and and you know the first half of the year. Things were not going exceedingly well for Purdue. It felt like they were really searching for things and then started to find them in the middle of the year. We're a little bit later in the year now, uh, but there has been a tendency uh, for Purdue to figure things out. And, um, you know, if you're looking for something going forward, maybe that's something you take away. Now, Purdue does have some, some questions, has some personnel questions, needs to figure out a way to, to help out the struggling pass defense, needs to find a way to help out Aiden O'Connell. But, you know, uh, one game doesn't always equal poor performance in the next, so it's possible Purdue could bounce back. Yeah, there's no doubt. And um, I know it's not much of a salve on Elixir to Purdue fans who are still upset over the last two games. But Wisconsin-Iowa are pretty good, Kyle, especially defensively. Yeah. I think Iowa's probably the best defense Purdue will have seen all season, and Wisconsin is always salty there. So, again, you still would like to win and produce performances last week. Uh, well, it was dispiriting. There's no other really real way to put it, 24-3. to 3. I mean, had not gone that long without a TD. I think it was going back to 2000, I want to say 13 or so. We got shut out back-to-back games. So, just a rough game all the way around. And you know, maybe there's still stuff you can do schematically to protect the secondary, um, yeah. to prevent the big plays, keep things in front of you. I'm sure, I'm sure, they've, I'm sure they've thought of everything, Kyle. Um, the loss of Chris Jefferson obviously hurts. They've got four or five guys they can't play, maybe six. But, again, you just I guess you try to do something schematically. Don't ask people to do things they can't do. Uh, maybe try yeah. to bring a little bit more pressure. And then, again, with the O'Connell stuff, you know, uh, he just was off kilter at Wisconsin with some of his reads. You could tell Jeff Brown was disappointed because they had gone over a lot of that stuff. And same things that happened to him against Wisconsin last year happened again this year. And then, of course, on Saturday, um, took a lot of heat and um, made two poor throws where he sailed the ball over the heads of Tracy and Downing that resulted in interceptions to really kill a lot of Purdue hope there. So on and on it goes, my friend. Um, this is doable, though. Again, I think Illinois is good, not great. And then you got Northwestern, you got Indiana, buddy. So there's still a chance to, to finish this thing out with three wins. Yeah, Illinois is interesting to me because um, Bill and I certainly are, are much improved. We had not seen Illinois play a, a passing offense, really, right? I mean, Indiana maybe in week one to some extent was a passing offense. Of course, Illinois lost that game. Um, so Purdue and then Michigan State last week might you know, maybe a little bit different look for this uh, Illini team. So, you know, that Michigan State won that game. Um, maybe gives Purdue some avenues to, to figure things out. Speaking of AOC uh, needing some help, any chance Brock Thompson, um, you know, he needs some guys to get open. That has been mm-hmm. uh, something that has, you know, uh, sort of been pretty, pretty, uh, 
pretty acute here over the last several weeks. Now, some of that is the defense they're playing, Wisconsin and Iowa, obviously, but um, really needs to take some pressure off him and off Charlie Jones with, with getting somebody else out there uh, who maybe can make some plays and is a trusted target of Aiden O'Connell. I know he's practicing, Kyle. I know he wants to. It's going to be how yeah. well that knee responds, I think, and I think that's his hope. That's the staff's hope is to get on the field Saturday. Thought maybe there was a chance it would happen this last week. It obviously didn't. So there's no doubt. It's funny. Last week, Kyle Post Football Focus sent out this tweet saying Charlie Jones leads America in the most contested catches. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's because there's always not a lot of separation there. So every catch is almost a contested catch, right? Not much after yeah. yards after the catch either. And and again, boy, AOC locks on him, and I get it. He trusts Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones is usually the only guy who consistently gets open. So, heck, if you're the quarterback, I guess you're going to look to to Charlie Jones early and often, and Aiden O'Connell certainly does, and Kyle defenses know that. And the inability of anybody else on that receiving unit to step up has really been a handicap this year. I mean, like playing with one hand tied behind your back, you know, Deion Burks, T.J. Sheffield, Mershon Rice in particular are guys that just have not taken that proverbial next step this year, and I think it's really hurt. I know we focus on Aiden O'Connell's a couple of bad throws and the throws that sailed on him with the wind, which I think was a little bit of a factor. I mean, those two balls that he throws yeah. just, you know, he gets him up a little bit. They go in the wind. There was a throw, and I can't remember when it was, a throw that he made to Charlie Jones over the middle where Jones mm. was not open at all. Do you? Remember, I don't remember when that Purdue was headed north. Uh, it was one of those that he just, you know, sort of threw him open, you know, threw, threw to a spot. Yeah. It's a good thing Charlie got there. It would have been pick number three because the the safety was coming down. But, man, it, you, you just want to see more. I mean, again, you know, Charlie Jones isn't open, which, um, you know, maybe another contested throw that that gets in there. But uh was an impressive throw that you just – you wish you had a little bit more lanes to uh, to get the ball to some guys, but just has not had that ability – uh, here over the last couple of weeks, uh, any I mean uh, Purdue has really no other, you know King Doru. Maybe he gets back out there. Anything else that uh, you know Jeff Brown will have his presser here in mm. a couple of minutes that you're looking for today? Yeah, I don't know if he'll acknowledge if there's anything wrong with Aiden health wise or not, but that seems to be some some thought there. Possibly that's why he's struggling. But yeah, injury wise, I don't recall anybody leaving the game Saturday of note. You know, O.C. Brothers didn't start. He still wasn't 100%. Maybe he's good enough to start this week. Um, secondary, again, by and large, they had Trice and Brown back. They were sort of had their snap camps limited, I noticed. So Cam Allen did not start, right, Kyle? He had Bryce Hampton starting. We'll see if that continues. And, you know, I think up front on the D-line, they're in good shape. Uh, Jenkins did play through that knee injury. He's tough. In the offense, you yeah. know, it's just really Brock Thompson, I think. And you talked about King Daru. I think they can get him by without King Daru. And thank God, Kyle, the, the offensive line has suffered no other attrition because they are at the, almost the bare minimum now with six guys. It's been that way for several weeks now. And, again, knock on wood for that staff, you know, all those guys are continuing to stay healthy. Yeah. All right, Tom, thank you. Take care, buddy. Look for more on goldandblack.com as Tom will have a report after the uh, Brom press conference at 11 o'clock as we record this on Monday morning. Be sure to subscribe to Gold and Black Radio on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a uh, five stars and a review if you would like. Uh, We do appreciate that. 
for uh, our sponsors, thanks to them as always, and for Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.